Think Tank with your host, Frank Fawcett. Yes, welcome to Black Hollywood. This is the Think Tank. I'm Frank Fawcett. Black Hollywood is a think tank organization uh, and production consulting firm that seeks to change the landscape of Hollywood. Black Hollywood as it exists today has been merely a construct that exists within mainstream entertainment and we seek to change that. Uh, how y'all doing out there today? Uh, the podcast is growing. We're now available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So we're building our audience, building our brand. Uh, we're on Twitter at Black Hollywood, B L A C K H O L L Y W D, and uh, also on Facebook at BlackHollywood.me. That's the website as well. Uh, today we've got a very special guest, very, very special guest I'm honored to have on the phone, um, Dr. Darnell Hunt. Uh, UCLA professor uh, of sociology. Um, also, um, he has a sub subfield of race, media, and cultural studies. Um, he's also been uh, he's the head of the Bunch Center. That's correct, Bunch. Yeah. All right. All right. And you are also the author of the Hollywood Diversity Report. Uh, the Hollywood Diversity Report examines 172 theatrical films released in 2011 and 1,061 television shows airing during the 2011 and 12 season. Uh, television shows were distributed across six broadcasts and 62 networks and were sorted into the following categories of analysis. Uh, you, the variables included and considered in the analysis for the report included lead talent race, lead talent gender, overall cast diversity, show creator race, show creator gender, a wide host of, of areas that we all need to be represented in and part of our mission at Black Hollywood. So without any further ado, I welcome you, Dr. Darnell Hunt. Say hello. Well, great to be here. Really appreciate it. All right. And I'm Frank Fawcett, your host. Um, yeah, I just want to get right into it. Um, what made you, what motivated you to uh, go ahead and address the issue of diversity in Hollywood? Well, you know, the Bunch Center at UCLA, the, the Ralph J. Bunch Center for African American Studies, is like a think tank. And we do research, large-scale research projects affecting African American communities. And so one of the issues that has been um, critical to us over the years is this whole issue of how black people are portrayed in the media. Uh, and Hollywood, of course, is a, is a major source of media productions, both television and film. Um, my background, I'm a sociologist at UCLA, a sociology professor, but the last 20 years or so, I've studied diversity or the lack thereof in Hollywood. I've worked for the Writers Guild. I've done the Hollywood Writers Report for them, which shows all kinds of underrepresentation of minorities and women. I've worked for the Screen Actors Guild. I've been a, I've been a consultant for them. I did the African American Television Report uh, in 2000. And I also worked with the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights when they came to L.A. in the in the early 90s after the 1992 uprisings here in L.A. And one of the things they wanted to do was study Hollywood because they hadn't really looked at Hollywood since the late 70s to find out whether or not any progress had been made in terms of diversity. And of course, there was very little. 
So I have you know, something of a history, you know, in terms of studying this issue. So what I wanted to do was to bring this particular study to UCLA, to the Bunn Center, and to make it a regular study. So we're going to do this every single year and we'll be able to connect the dots over time to see if we're really making progress. Because there, there are lots of um, anecdotes out there about, you know, yeah, this looks good. This looks, you know, we've made some progress here. We haven't. Um, but until we look at the whole picture and get the bird's eye view, we don't really know what's going on. And that's what our report tries to do. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, that, that's a lot of the things that I want to focus on with my organization, Black Hollywood. Um, I, I just I just wanted to know your views on Hollywood as it exists today. Mainstream entertainment. Um, why is it so underrepresentative of, of minority groups? Why is well, it not a meritocracy? Yeah, we know that there, there are a lot of things going on. Um, you know, our report is called the 2014 Hollywood Writers Report Making Sense of the Disconnect. And the disconnect is the disconnect between an increasingly diverse America. Right now, um, America is about 37% minority. By 2042, it's going to be majority minority. But guess what? Hollywood hasn't kept up. In fact, in some ways, the gap has gotten bigger over the last 20 years or so in terms of where America is going and where Hollywood is going. So, yeah, you have Shonda Rhimes, who runs Thursday night on ABC. You have Tyler Perry with his stuff. You have, you know, Oprah with own. But these are, you know, um, outliers. They're, they're not kind of, you know, kind of the, the major trend in where the industry has been going in recent years. And they alone don't make up the gap that we still Absolutely. see between where Hollywood should be and where Hollywood is. So mm-hmm. trying to understand why it exists, um, well, first of all, the very lucrative industry. People make a lot of money in this industry. Uh, Hollywood writers make a ton of money. Um, you know, that's working working writers. Uh, working producers, directors make a lot of money. And historically, um, it's been a white-dominated industry, and particularly white males. Uh, white women also have a hard time in this industry. Um, well, why do you think so- that is? Well, because white males, well, white males, I mean, it's like a club. I mean, you know, white males for the last 67 years, I mean, kind of dominated the industry. And it's an industry that's high risk. You know, most new TV shows fail. Most movies don't make as much money as, you know, would be hoped. So people are always trying to CYA and make sure that, you know, the odds of making a hit or making money are as as high as possible. So what they tend to do is surround themselves with people they feel comfortable with. They're saving their own jobs. Well, yeah, exactly. They're trying to, you know, make sure they're saving their own jobs and they're going to get their next job. So they tend to hire people they feel comfortable with, they have they have a track record with, and it becomes an old boys network. I mean, so you, you basically have white men who hire other white men. On occasion, maybe a white woman, and much rarer, a minority. So it becomes this revolving door of opportunity for those people that becomes really, really, really hard for minorities and women to kind of break in in a major way. With some of the few exceptions I talked about, you know, Will Smith with Overbrook and, you know, we know the name, but, you know, we can't go past maybe 10 or 12 people who are minority who have major pull in that way in the industry. Well, I would I would beg to differ. I would say it is about uh, five people <laughs> right about now. Uh, it seems like oh, we've, we've lost numbers in the past And where you look. But, yeah, but the point is it, it isn't what it should be. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's not what it should be is because the people who have dominated the industry for decades – you know, have a hard time letting go for obvious reasons for their own, you know, personal agendas and, 
and interest. And what our report shows is that diversity actually sells, that the TV shows and movies that tend to reflect American diversity actually do better at the box office and better in terms of ratings. And so that's the disconnect. I mean, you would think there's diversity sold, that companies would be rushing to try to produce more diverse material with diverse people in front of and behind the camera. But the reason that that's not happening mm-hmm. is because the people who control the industry are trying to hold on to their, their people, to their, their piece of the pie, and they're, and they're kind of reluctant to take the risk and allow other people to kind of come in to produce the diverse programming that the industry really needs. Well, then the question goes to diversity. So uh, what do you think is their, what would be their major motivator to make them change the modus operandi of this Hollywood system that we have going on? Well, it's, it's going to have to change. I mean, the, the bottom line is it's going to have to change if else the industry is going to become less and less relevant. I mean, already we have all this runaway production. We have, for example, there were a whole bunch of African-American writers who wrote for UPN and WB back in the early 2000s when those networks were on and we had all those black sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, right, I was doing the Hollywood Writers Report at the time, and overnight, when UPN went off the air, almost half of all black writers in Hollywood were unemployed because oh my God. otherwise on those networks, you know. And those people have been almost blacklisted in the sense that they haven't gotten jobs after that. Very few of them have succeeded after those original jobs. So um, those people have moved on. They're doing independent production, independent film. They're doing web series. And that's a huge new frontier, what's being produced for the web. All these interesting storylines and and, uh, and, um, premises that mainstream Hollywood hasn't touched because they're just not diverse enough, you know? And so I I think the audience, particularly younger audiences, are, are hip to that. You know, they're going to the Internet. That's where they're watching most of their media. In fact, you know, I haven't seen the data, but I know anecdotally from my students at UCLA and elsewhere, most of them don't own a TV set. They watch everything on the internet, you know? They'll, they watch it through Netflix or Hulu. Um, they'll, they'll watch web series through YouTube channels, the whole bit, because Hollywood's just not producing the diverse material that an increasingly diverse audience wants to see. So to answer your original question, that's what's going to make them change. Because after a while, I mean, you know, uh, networks are already losing market share. I mean, ratings are getting smaller and smaller and smaller because they're just not keeping up with where America is going. So we're trying to prove that with our support. We're trying to show it with hard numbers year in, year out, that A, diversity sells, and B, the industry is just not diverse enough to produce the material that the market needs. Mm-hmm. And so that goes to the content creators and the people who uh, will be able, the showrunners, the future. So how do we ensure that these people are trained and put in those positions where they don't get to a point where, uh, I guess, decision makers say, oh, you're not prepared for this opportunity. How how, uh, should I give you this opportunity just because you're a minority? Right, right. Well, that, that, that's the, um, that's the age-old um, issue in the industry. I mean, the argument I know, I'm playing been, devil's advocate. I'm sorry. I'm right, playing right. devil's advocate. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, the argument has always been that minorities are just not quite ready for prime time, right? And mm-hmm. so there's a whole um, self-fulfilling prophecy built up. You have the 
the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences. You have the Television Academy. The membership is like 90% white, older, and they sit back and determine what's quality, what should win awards. And, of course, it's always something white for the most part. And every, every blue moon, you get a, a black award winner. And so what that does is reinforce the notion that, yeah, diversity is nice, but diverse talent isn't quite as good as other talent. So that kind of reinforces that idea, which is, in fact, a myth because it's just a matter of taste and a matter of different cultural perspective and experience. There's a lot of incredible material that's produced by minorities that never really sees the light of the day in the mainstream. So my argument would be it's not about preparation. There are more than enough prepared um, minorities in Hollywood to, to populate the, the opportunities that are out there. They're just, they're just not getting the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a trajectory. And like, you know, to use a baseball analogy, there's no farm system developing um, black and minority talent. I feel like I feel like there's opportunities that are missed and when we get that one opportunity it's a it's a one-shot deal if it's not successful then we're back to you know obscurity no, it's like, you it's like that, under, uh, right it's like the undercovers example from a few years ago because the show didn't make it oh, that's the last time we're going to do you know a drama with uh you know african-american lead well of right. course how to get away with murder is proving that you can do that and so far the ratings have been great and um you know it's another example of well of course the shonda ryan show but um, but the point is, there is no rule that says that, you know, diverse material can't be a hit at box office or in terms of ratings. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's, that just really reinforces what I've been thinking this whole time. Like, I, I don't know if you know anything about my background, but I'm an actor, writer, and a producer. So I've kind of uh -huh. touched every area that uh, <laughs> I could to make my way in this business. And um, something I read in the article, uh, not the article, but the actual paper that you all wrote, the report on diversity, uh, was that you all were talking about agency representation and the yep. disparity between the groups. I remember right. being in agencies where they'd be like, oh, you've got, we've got a conflict with you. We've got one other black right. guy. And then I look on their list right. and they've got 14 other white guys. It doesn't right. make sense. Right. And I think that's the mentality disconnect that we right. have. What can we do yeah. to address that issue? Because I feel like that's access, you know? Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, that's what the agencies are. They're gatekeepers. Um, essentially, they package projects and then sell them to networks and studios. And the studios and networks rely upon them because there's less work they have to do. In fact, the agencies are kind of like the studios and the network farm system. Although, farm system is probably the wrong word because, of course, they're dealing with A-listers. But still, they're developing projects in advance. So all the studios and networks have to do is say, yeah, this is a great idea. We'll buy it. And so basically, they're at the but network. They're building well, that's exactly right. They're doing that too. But, but their argument is, in fact, you know, we went to the agencies and we met with them before we did the report. And their argument was, well, we don't really control things. Well, all we do is sell to the networks and studios what they say they want. And if the networks and studios tell us they want diversity, we'll sell them that. So they're, they're kind of passing the buck and, and saying that it's really on them. And that's why their rosters are stacked full of white people with maybe one token black person, you know, for the most part. And so we were able to document that in our report. And that's part of the problem. Um, because, again, if the agencies are going to remain viable, particularly as the audience becomes more diverse, they're going to have to know where the diverse talent is. And they're going to have to have access to that diverse talent. And if they keep stocking their rosters with nothing but white names, 
they're gonna then they're gonna lose a step in in, in, in the competition, you know, with other agents. Well, what do you think about the argument that the studios and some of these agents, um, agencies and producers say that, oh, we need a, a, a international bankable star. Like they're starting right, to right. go international instead of like you look on TV and, I, you know, this is diversity aside, even most of the white actors on TV are from another country. Now, yeah. I, 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 I view black Hollywood as a worldwide yeah, yeah. African well, diaspora event, but yeah. I mean, I, you can't fight against uh, what they're saying, even though it's well, not I true. Mean, <laughs> well, what they're well, well, you can fight against it, and that's exactly what our report is trying to do. And that's one of the reasons why we look at domestic and global box office when we look at films. So let's take a film like Fast Five. Fast Five made an incredible amount of money um, back in 2011. Uh, it made more money globally than it did domestically. It was shot by an Asian-American director. Um, it had four or five minorities in the major characters, I mean, the major roles. Uh, so here's an example of a film that not only was one of the most, the most diverse films of the year, but also was one of the biggest box office films of the year, both domestically and internationally. <laughs> so that whole idea that diversity doesn't sell overseas, again, is a myth. Equal. <laughs> and, you know, and again, we're trying I, I to show totally that. Agree. I 100% agree. <laughs> And there are other examples, too. But the problem is there just aren't enough films made that are diverse and that are marketed internationally to kind of show and demonstrate the degree to which diversity travels. Mm -hmm. I think that, that comes back to one of the tenets of Black Hollywood is that we need to be economically empowered as a group to start financing some of these films from the ground up. Uh, I do notice a lot of, uh, you know, the Sundance crowd and the, the independent film festival crowd, like you see people who got financing from their family to bring this film together. Well, as a community, we don't seem to have that type of resource. How can yeah, we figure out how to get our money together? Well, you know, we, we, there have been examples. I mean, like The Butler was a film that was, you know, the product of a number of um, deep-pocketed African-Americans and others kind of pooling resources to get the film made. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, as a group, I mean, I, I'm a sociologist, so I won't get into the history and the legacy of slavery and what's happened to us economically and why we don't have... Hey, you um, can go there. You can go there if you want well, to. Well, we, well, you know, I, I don't know how much time we have, but we, we don't have the same type of access to capital. Let's just put it that way. I mean, there are a few of us who are exceptions to the rule. We have mm -hmm. the Oprahs and the, and, 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 you know, I don't know, the, the Bill Cosbys and some others who have, you know, you know, and Tyler Perry maybe, you know, with his studio and this, that, and the other, but and Will Smith maybe but beyond that that's when we're getting to like five or six people there aren't that many people who can play that role in our community for the most part uh, and so we're always up against these huge multinational corporations that own the studios that are not even just rooted here in the U.S. but they have tentacles all around the globe uh, when it comes to distribution marketing you know everything so it, it becomes very difficult to compete if you're trying to do it all on your own. That's not to say that we shouldn't, but that's one of the reasons why I don't think we've been as successful in that arena as, as we could. So I, I think that, you know, we need to 
pursue this on multiple fronts. I think we need to be producing our own projects. We need to be financing our own projects. But at the same time, we have to demand that the mainstream also opens up to our talent. You know, so it needs to be both, not just one or the other. Absolutely, absolutely. But we, you know, we've been demanding for years and now, you know, it's the whole, I, I look back to the 70s and, you know, we were getting opportunities, but they weren't necessarily the best opportunities. Even though we love those films for their, their cold value. Yeah. But, uh, well, part, well, part you know, of the you problem is the 80s and the same refrain. Decade yeah. after decade. No, well, no, you're exactly right. I mean, if you, if you look at it decade by decade, you see, like, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, we were talking about the same things we were talking about in the 70s, you know. Um, I mean, things have changed somewhat, but not nearly to the degree that they should have. And part of the problem is, you know, I believe, you know, again, as someone who studied this for, for, for years, I don't think the general public really understands, first of all, what's at stake, and secondly, um, kind of how everything works. I mean, they see the people on screen, right? They see the Oprahs, they see the stars, but they have no understanding whatsoever of what happens behind the scenes or what role we have or don't have in writing their lines and, and filming them and editing them and all these other things that have to happen before a film makes it to the screen. The audience doesn't understand that. So on some level, it's about education. It's about media literacy. It's about helping our community understand that we are consumers and we are in a position to demand the things we want and we have to figure out how to collectively pool our power and our voices to make sure that the industry responds because there's never been a successful boycott of, um, of you know, television. There have been, been attempts to, to boycott, but none have really worked or had the leverage that they could have. Um, as you know, I mean, historically, going back to the beginning of the 20th century, the NAACP, um, one of their first campaigns was against Birth of a Nation, which is this racist film that, you know, um, essentially glorified black violence against blacks and led to a resurgence of the KKK and everything else. Um, that was a relatively successful campaign. Um, there was a successful campaign against Amos Nandy, a show that kind of depicted African Americans as buffoons in the in the early 50s, but you know that was in a, in a different period. And I think that we've kind of gotten complacent somewhat here, and and the, we have the illusion of inclusion. That is to say, we have these right. black stars that we see, but we don't really understand how they're exceptions to the rule and how they don't really control anything. They're just being hired to play a role. But I, would, really I also like to posit the fact that these. I would like to posit the fact that these images are our face to the world and these images are impacting us on huge levels like they can they can be tied to uh, the devaluation of black life they can be tied to Trayvon Martin Michael Brown yep. everything that we see yep. and um, I feel like if we don't have any say in that we constantly get the basketball wives we constantly no, get you, you, you. Um, buffoonery we get big jewelry you know <laughs> no no you're absolutely right i mean you know there have been some studies done of you know immigrant groups that come to the u.s and you know most immigrant groups come to the u.s already with prejudices against african-americans because they've seen it in hollywood productions that travel around the world so that stuff has a huge impact absolutely. you know it is entertainment but it's a lot more than just entertainment yeah Yep, it cuts very, very deeply. Very deeply, I agree. Uh, 
that's uh that hey, you can definitely provide some insight on that because of your sociology background. I think that's why it's fascinating to have you on the phone and to have you going at this so heavily because you're going at it from a scientific perspective, you know. Us creatives, we just kind of <laughs> we kind of just rail against the system, but it's good to see some hard numbers uh to back up what we've always felt that Yeah, you know, you know, the, the other thing that that you may or may not be aware of about the project um in addition to the scientific aspects we study, um, from the very beginning, we strategized about how we were going to release the report. And one of the things we decided to do was to appeal to the industry itself for support. So we went directly to networks and studios to help fund this. But not so that mm. one studio or network was the major funder, because we want to maintain independence and objectivity when we create the report. The reason we did that was because if they had a stake in the report, their executives were likely to read it. And we were also going to have access to their executives. So we actually meet with the executives of every studio and network that supports the report. And in some cases, we run a studio or network-specific analysis so they can look at how their shows stack up to the universe um, so that hopefully it affects mm. their internal business practices. And you know, I think one positive example of kind of this process working is ABC Disney. ABC Disney is one of our sponsors. And we've been talking to them for the last two years about this project. And this year they rolled out the most diverse slate of, of you know, primetime programming probably in history. You know, um, now it remains to be seen how shows like Blackish and um, you know, um, um, How to Get Away with Murder and this and the other will continue to fare. Right now they're looking pretty good in terms of the rating. But the point is, yeah. you know, we think that the dialogues we've been having with them and the fact that they've been, you know, critiquing their own processes are leading to them changing the way they do business. And we're, we're hoping that the same thing will be happening with our other sponsors and other um, entities that are likely to sponsor us because we're continually reaching out to the industry. Right now, we have HBO, we have Time Warner, uh, BET is considering supporting us, um, uh, CBS is supporting mm. us, and, um, um, and a studio that I can't name because they want to remain anonymous, but it's a major studio. So, I mean, that's important. Okay. And, and, we have co- and we have conversations with them like pretty much every month and, and certainly during development season and pilot season. So we're hoping that they'll continue to use the research to kind of move in a positive direction. Okay. Well, I see your focus, uh, you know, is is very large, and you you're getting the support you need. Uh, but I do have a question for you because this is Black Hollywood, and I found in the past I've been a part of some diversity showcases, uh, you know, that will remain unnamed. But right. I, I've seen that diversity. Uh, it's such a broad umbrella that sometimes yeah. it doesn't address the needs of black artists. Right. It, no, it gets I, everybody else but us. Right. <laughs> and no, and no, it has the appearance right. of supporting us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, but, you know, trust me, um, you know, in academia, you know, and in university settings, I mean, we have the same issue. Everybody wants to talk about diversity, and we look around, there's no black students at UCLA, you know. And so we, um, that's one, well, that's one of the other projects that, you know, the Bunch Center, you know, we spearheaded this project about seven years ago to kind of really attack the issue of the declining black student representation at UCLA, a university that, 
well, you know, was known for the rise of black student leadership and, you know, major mm-hmm. figures like Ralph Bunch and, and um, uh, you know, uh, Tom Bradley and, and many others who, who kind of came to UCLA over the years, you know, back when other universities weren't even admitting black people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's one of the issues that, you know, as a Center for African American Studies that we're acutely aware of and interested in. So when we talk about diversity, we're talking about all kinds of diversity. We're talking about gender. We're talking about different racial groups. But we're particularly interested in what's happening with black people, and we we talk about that. Um, Even though our report talks about minorities in general, in the published version, we have breakdowns by racial groups, and and we look at that very closely. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, because that that becomes a pressing issue. I mean, in this particular instance, in my circumstance, I remember the only production holding deal that was given out was given to a woman who was from a Spanish-speaking country, but for all, all intents and purposes was uh, very European-esque, you know? Right. So right. Right. it just came uh, full circle. It was like, all right, we've got all these wonderful black actors that we're supporting and, you know, some other minority groups represented. And, you know, it still was supporting the same system that was in place. They're like, yeah. oh, well, she's, yeah. cute. she's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she right. could take the money either because of, because of some other uh, extenuating circumstances. But, okay, that moves me on to my next, next area. Dr. Darnell Hunt, I'd like to do a little profile of our, our guests. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words. Well, um, I'm a sociologist at UCLA, professor, um, I director of the Bunch Center for African American Studies. Um, I'm a native of Washington, D.C. That's where I was born. And I came really? To, you know I'm from PG yeah, County, really. right? You know I'm from PG County. Yeah, PG. I'm from PG. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm from PG County. Well, that's where I went to high school. Yeah. Uh, so, All right. Um, yeah, yeah, man. What, you, what, what school? Yeah, they in common. I went to Eleanor Roosevelt in Which Greenville. Which school did you go to? Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, wow. My dad. <laughs> my, yeah. my dad used to live right down the street from there. I went to law for two years, and then I went to school in Virginia. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Small world. I lived in Virginia when I was in grad school in the, in the D.C. area. I went to Georgetown for business school. <laughs> Um, and okay. I worked at um, I worked at WRC TV, you know, Channel Four in DC, the NBC owned and operated Channel station. Four. Yeah, I worked in, in the newsroom with Jim Vance and those folks. Um, Jim Vance, I was just about to remember his name. <laughs> George yeah, Michael. so um, anyway, I came out here to go to grad Legend. school. I came back to UCLA and did my PhD in sociology, and I wrote my first book on the 1992 LA uprisings, and it was really about news coverage. My, my area of specialty is race and media. That's what I do. So I did the book on kind of okay. the way the news was depicting the uprisings, and you know whether it was a riot or a rebellion, that whole thing, and and the kind of the way that black people were being depicted in news coverage of the uprisings, and um, since since then, I've done a number of books. I did one on the O.J. Simpson case, um, looking at, again, the way that race was depicted in the media in the case. I did another book on black Los Angeles, kind of the history of black L.A. and its evolution. And I've done a couple of books on media. I did one called Channeling Blackness, which is like a, a look at the history of black images on TV. Television. And race, I've done a number yeah. of studies, like the one we're working on now. Okay. All right. So you're very accomplished, published, and um, absolutely. I mean, PhD, what made you uh, go to that extent? What was your original uh, 
goal? Were you always going to be a PhD? Or not at all. In fact, my original goal was to come to California and become a filmmaker. <laughs> and I had wow. a pretty um, eye-opening um, kind of experience in film school. I went to film school at USC actually. <laughs> And oh, um, I was a film cross-town rivalry. <laughs> yep, I was a film and journalism major, and I was like one of two black people in the film school at the time, and talking about mm. tokenism, and it was a very alienating experience. And um, I don't know, it just really kind of turned me off to the whole thing, and I ended up, you know, studying it instead of doing it. I guess. Um, I mean, I'm still interested. Wow. I've done some docu- documentary work and things like that, but um, you know, I was really, um, I, you know, what really got me into the PhD thing was when I was in business school, I had the first black professor I ever had. And we used to play basketball during lunch sometimes, and he was just telling me about what it was like to be a, fa- a professor. And I was like, no, that's actually pretty cool. It's kind of interesting because nobody in my family ever did anything like that. And so, you know, I, I looked into it and I decided to apply to grad school and, and the rest of history. You know, it's been, um, it's been a great experience because I do a lot of, um, in addition to being a professor, I do a lot of research. I do a lot of um, consulting with the industry, you know, and, I, and so my goal has been uh-huh. to really try to change the industry. Hmm. Okay. All right. What th- what type of consulting do you do you do? I'm actually broaching. I'm trying to jump on that same path right now. <laughs> I'm well, you know, I've done working in the films and yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've done some consulting in the past for um, the Writers Guild, like I told you, the Hollywood Writers Report, um, the Screen Actors uh-huh. Guild. I've done some consulting in the area yeah. of diversity. All, all in the area of diversity. Um, CBS with their showrunners. I met with Great. their showrunners um, a couple of times for all their shows to kind of discuss ways to diversify their shows. I've um, done work for um, um, DreamWorks. I've done work for Nickelodeon um, and, and you know kids programming and, and other things. Again, all that is related to diversity, basically. Hmm. That's great. That's great. I mean, you know, this might be the conversation that you had with your professor <laughs> before, uh, because I've actually, uh, I've got a master's from NYU, and I've been wondering what my next move was. Academia bye, might bye. not be bad. Doctor Fawcett, I like it. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> well, I mean, that, I mean, obviously that took years and years, and you also did, you know, all your all your passions, all your majors. Are lined up to support exactly what you're doing. The business, well, that's, well, that's, sociology, yeah. the arts. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, it all kind of fell into place. I mean, I, you know, I mean, it, you know, it, it seemed at the time like I was doing a bunch of different stuff, but like in retrospect, it, it, you know, all the things that kind of helped me kind of think through what I'm working on right now. So it's, it's been really, really, um, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I think we're about about close to the end. Um, like to let our guests do a little bit of uh, promotion. Anything you wanted to put out there? I know you all had a spark campaign for your um, your project, your diversity report for the next year. Uh, anything you want to yeah. know? Or any way people our people can reach you? Yeah, I mean, the best thing to do is to go to our website. We have a pretty um, active website. It's actually a blog format. So there are all kinds of articles that we post every day, and there's a whole section on race in Hollywood 
that goes back a couple of years now. It has all kinds of articles and studies on issues of diversity. So anybody who's interested in that, there's like a treasure trove of material um, on the website that you can access. The website is www.bunchcenter, and bunch is spelled with an E, so it's B-U-N-C-H-E-C-E-N-T-E-R, bunchcenter.ucla.edu. And if you go to the front page, the front page of Lowe's, you're going to see something on there about race in Hollywood. You're going to see, um, you can go to a search field we have, and you can search on our report, and you can pull down the full report that we've been talking about. There was also a crowdfunding mm. campaign that we just completed, or we're completing tomorrow, actually. It's called, uh, it's on the UCLA Spark platform, um, called the Hollywood Diversity Report. It was just a small amount of money. We were just trying to raise $10,000, and it was really about raising awareness and appealing to people who are working in the industry. Like I said earlier, we've been reaching out to actual studios and networks to sponsor the bulk of the project, but we also wanted to reach out to individuals who have a passion right. about this. So if you guys are interested, if anybody's interested in supporting, you know, no, no contribution is too small, $5, $10. Um, you know, there's a link on our website that takes you to Spark, the Spark page that gives you kind of a background on the, on the campaign and the whole bit. So that's, um, I mean, I guess that's yeah, the I mean, it, it seems it, like this, you should make it year-round, that, that campaign. Yeah, you well, should you know, make that year-round, that campaign. We're, well, you know, the way Spark works is um, we don't control it. UCLA controls it, and what they do is they have a board that basically nominates and selects different projects around campus to be a part of the crowdfunding campaign, and this uh -huh. year they nominated and picked our project. So there's no guarantee they're going to pick our project next year. But if they do, cool. If not, you know, we'll do it ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's um, you know, the, the next report, the 2014 report came out in February. The next report, the 2015 report, will be coming out this February. In fact, we release our reports every year mm -hmm. in February, right as the award season is kicking up. You know, the Oscars are talking about that, and hiring season is starting in wow. TV. We're trying to have our report come out. Yeah, pilot season. Uh, right when people are having those conversations, you know. Yeah, just a friendly reminder. <laughs> yep. We have a here. We have a mission to accomplish. So that, that's great. That's, that's great. So, um, yep. Well, uh, I thank you. Thank you, sir. Genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, this was a great interview. Uh, chock full of information. Um, I definitely, definitely want to keep in touch with you uh, at Black Hollywood and anything we can do to support you. I know we're a small operation right now, but we're growing. Uh, right. <laughs> just well, let this, us uh, know. You know this, this tweet, this tweet about the project, uh, Facebook about it, um, you know, go to the website. Um, you know, it, 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 we're trying to change the narrative. We're trying to change the way that people talk about this issue, and we're trying to keep focus on this issue of diversity so that, you know, all the talented people we have out there can get their shot. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Dr. Darnell Hunt. Thank you so much for that. Uh, thank you all for coming out to the Black Hollywood Think Tank, uh, checking us out on whatever method you're checking us out on. We've got so many now. Uh, Stitcher, there's iTunes, there's uh, SoundCloud now, which I hear is so popular. Um, I just want to make sure everybody knows Black Hollywood, the organization. We're found at www.blackhollywood.me. Uh, we're also selling t-shirts 
at blackhollywood.storeenvy. That's one E in storeenvy.com. Uh, that's one way you can support us and so we can build and, and grow as an organization so that we can have great guests like Dr. Hunt. I mean, that was wonderful. I'm sure so many people are going to have great responses and their knowledge is going to be increased. That's what everybody is loving about the Black Hollywood Think Tank is that it brings out such such inspiration in people people were inspired that was our first comment on itunes somebody was inspired and i thank you all for being here uh thank you all for coming through and uh we'll see you on the next think tank later